Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Despite the pandemic, Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. They will hold their next event in June of 2022. To support them, fans and artists have rallied together on their Kickstarter, which you can visit. The Kickstarter will run through February 2nd. Go to SoonerCon.com for more details. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. The person I'm welcoming to the show today has a lot of talent in the comic industry and has an impressive resume as it is. But what impresses me most is that she actually uses her talents to not just make a career for herself and make some fantastic comic books, but she helps other people too, including beginning creators. This is somebody you may want to reach out to, and I'm going to strongly recommend following her Twitter feed. Let's get started with Heather Antos. On tap today, we have Heather Antos. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I have to say, your Twitter feed is one of the highlights of my Twitter experience. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because I I try to get into creativity, and I love comics, I love geeky stuff, and your stuff tends to hit all the sweet spots when it comes to somebody who actually wants to make something themselves. Um, you. Yeah, you, yeah. I try and keep it entertaining and positive. You're one of the people that I like that you can work well on either side of the pen. You, you've got your visually artistic side, but you're a great writer, you're an editor, and you extend those services to others, both large companies and individuals. And I just wanted to know how, how you find that extra rewarding or is it overwhelming sometimes? Uh, yes, both. Uh, <laughs> um, I have uh, what I like to call the gift and the curse of turning every hobby into a job, um, I, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. Um, but you know, it does, it does make it hard to like have, I'm a very creative person and I like a lot of different creative things. And so it makes it really hard to like have creativity that's just for like decompressing. And so like, like one of the things, because I'm an editor professionally, that is my job, you know, I, I essentially read and critique story for a living. It makes it like really hard to just consume media for fun and turn the brain off. Um, in Ow. particular reading, like I, I used to, as a kid, like I would devour books and I would just be, I would be reading constantly. I was 100% that kid. And like now because my my job is reading scripts all day long and comics I don't really get to like just read for fun because it's kind of exhausting um and if I do if I am reading like I'm reading like um nonfiction memoirs or biographies or like things like that that aren't about well is this narrative you know like oh the plot reveal the twist like blah 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 um, how is this character developed, you know, type things, because there's, there's an extent of that in nonfiction, but like, not 
to the extent that we see like in, in films and TV and comics and things like that. So that's really, really interesting because you hit on two points that I was actually thinking when we started talking. One is that people are always saying, don't get, don't make a living off of what you'd love because it'll, it'll ruin it. And at the same time, it seems like that's the way we have to go if we're going to do anything, if we're going to have time in our lives for the things we love the most. Yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't ruin it. Like, I still love comics and I love reading and I love drawing and, and you know, working with creators and films and all of that stuff. I just have a different perspective on it now, you know? Like, um, and for me, where I find my joy now most of all than anything else is like, you know, the fan experience. And um, yeah, I know how the sausage is made that might, you know, lose some of the glamour to, to, to the Hollywood side of things. Mm. But like, but like we make it so people can enjoy it. We make these things so it reaches others and touches others and, and, and connects with them. And so, you know, every single time I have, you know, a little girl come up to me and tell me how much they love Gwenpool or, or Dr. Afra or any of the other characters, like that's why I do it, you know, like that, that is so important to me. Um, and like, still now like years later I'll have people reach out and just be like wow like this book really got me through a hard time um you know and that that's why we create that's why we do this stuff are you in any way trying to make the stories you wanted to read when you were little or even not so long ago (laughs) I yeah I mean I I think I think the biggest thing for me was I wanted to make sure there was more than one girl character and things, you know, like when I was growing up on the playground, I distinctly remember, you know, when we were playing Power Rangers or when we were playing uh, Star Wars or whatever on the playground, like, oh, the guys would get to fight between are they Luke or Vader, but I have to be Princess Leia. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the only, you know, character I'm allowed to be because there's only one girl and you can only have one girl hang out in the group because there's only one girl character. Um, and the girl character then also didn't get to do much. Um, you know, you just existed to be saved. And like, that's fine every once in a while, but it gets kind of stagnant and boring. And so, yeah, I mean, a big part of the stories that I work on and tell is I make sure that like, you know, not just like a boy girl thing, but even boys too. I want to make sure that the boys, boy characters are fully developed, well-rounded characters that are focused on, you know, other things other than just saving the women, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? And so, but yeah, like that was a big thing. um, I think for me, when I started my career was I want stuff for like, teens to read um to be interested in because there wasn't a lot of that mm-hmm. and the, especially the teen market has been considered kind of the the wasteland of of, of the, the writing world because it's they're like well it's so hard to get those people those kids to read so they tend to throw them anything that they can't sell to somebody else just to see if it sticks which is does them a disservice it does and like look being a teenager is hard you are too old to be considered a kid but you're still too young to be considered an adult um it's a really really difficult age and all you want is your your own voice um and so really you know being able to tell stories that speak to that um to teenagers is super super important 
you know, uh, they still, they're still kids and still want to have fun, but, but they also want to get their driver's license and have a sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, and, and so I think, you know, it's just, it's always so funny to me when you have like higher up people and companies be like, well, I just don't know what kids are into these days. And And it's like, what were you into? Like, it's not, (laughs) we're all human beings. It hasn't changed all that much. They just aren't stressed about like the election yet, or, you know, like any Mm -hmm. of those um, less exciting adult (laughs) responsibilities, but like, there's still human beings who are, you know, they, they want to impress mom and dad. They, they have crushes and friends and, and what I think, is always so powerful in telling stories about teenagers or for teenagers is when you aren't that young still, everything is super high stakes. Everything is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And you can tell some really powerful stories like that. Like, yes, you know, literally the world is an ending, but like if my crush goes to prom with someone else when I'm 16, oh my God, I'm never getting out of bed ever again. Um, you know, and that's, those are very real stakes, um, you know, and, and so there's, there's a lot of power to that. And there's a lot of relatability to that, no matter what your age, you don't have to be a teenager to appreciate that or understand that. And that is something I think too, a lot of people struggle with is like, I can read stories about five-year-olds and still relate to that because, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to be happy. We just want to feel safe. We just want to feel loved. Those are very universal things. Mm-hmm. Are you by any chance a fan of a show called The Adventures of Pete and Pete? I think I just missed that show. I thought so. If I pegged your age right, and I may not have. Yeah, you were just, and that's why I asked. But it's the neatest thing about it is that it's not a show about kids. Mm-hmm. It's a show about the experience of being a kid to perpetually live in this world you don't really understand but has always just been there and you have to figure your way through it and, and all the the little weirdness of it is just like well this makes sense to them why does this make sense to you that's what kids feel like constantly yeah yeah they have no autonomy everything's confusing and then they're constantly talked down to by everyone around them mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's incredible no wonder kids have meltdowns and tantrums. Like, I get it. <laughs> and, you know, we when you write a, a story like yours or any story that appeals right to the kid, it's because you're not talking down to them. Exactly. They, they understand when that happens, that they're being treated seriously. Because like yeah. you said, everything's serious to them. Exactly. And like, that's rule number one of like, you know, telling a good story is don't assume your audience is stupid. Like... Just, just like, well, I'm not going to assume, you know, you're stupid. I'm not going to like, well, well, let me tell you a story is, uh, you know, there's, there are words and there's a beginning and a middle and an end. I assume you know what a story is. I'm not going to talk down to you. You can't, right. you can't do that to your readers either because they know. They know and they know what they want. They know what they're, they're looking for, or at least they're going to know when they find it at the very least. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you look at the, the stuff that the, the suits you talked about that don't know what kids are into these days, the stuff they put together that doesn't work, you can see it why it doesn't work because it feels synthetic. It feels like you, you went to uh, you went to the store and bought story in a can for nine ninety nine and tried to spray it on something. 
Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the same thing like with news articles, right? They're selling headlines. That's really what they, they, they sell headlines. They, um, and look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, right? Like there's, there's a method to the madness, but you know, it is, it is unfortunate that, and it's not just comics, right? Like it's stuff that we get with like movies too, um, very cheap surface level content um that's flashy and bright and will do well for one weekend and then no one will talk about it ever again Mm -hmm. um and then people wonder well why didn't that work (laughs) and it's amazing because we have such great source material and i'm not just talking about the big name movies i mean there are up-and-coming artists who are, are making comics that should be movies that are making movies that should be books. I mean, there's, there's a whole circle of life that's getting ignored because I don't want to say people are afraid to take risks because that seems too simplistic, but am I that far off? Occam's razor, man. It's, I mean, the most, the most obvious answer is the most likely, uh, you know, like, look, everything we're in late stage capitalism and everything is driven by a short, short, quick, fast buck, right? Like that's it. That's really all it is at the end of the day. And it's, I mean, how many, how many Spider-Man movies have we had and how many will we, more will we continue to have in the last mm-hmm. decade alone? You know, it, it helps that the later ones are good, but they weren't always. And they still kept making them because people would keep spending money on them and people, you know, uh, and, and same, how many Batmans have we had in the last five years alone? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's because it's a quick buck. Um, and that's it. That's all it is. And it's taken, I mean, we see it with, um, a lot of celebrities where, you know, they, it's taken a lot of like, I I would say like guerrilla street level, almost type warfare internally and and Hollywood and, and, and publishing and things like that, where, you know, actors aren't getting to perform in the movies of characters that they are interested in. And so they are funding it themselves, you know, like Reese Witherspoon, I think is a great example of that where we wouldn't have gotten like Gone Girl or Big Little Lies or, you know, um, Little Fires Everywhere, like these really character driven, intricate, interesting stories because she read the book and she was interested and she put the bill. Um, but your big studios, your big publishers, all they want, well, is an A-lister attached to it? And how much money can we guarantee this will make? And that's it. That's all they care about. And I get that. I mean, I'm not opposed to making a buck by any stretch, but the the reason we get up each day, the reason we go to work, whether we're, you know, shuffling coffee and busting tables or whether we're actually getting to edit stories and be podcasters is that we want the experience of being creative. We want the experience of getting out of our lives. And these stories give us a way to do that, but we want more stories. Exactly. So I think we do. Yeah. And you know what? Like one of the coolest things about living when we live is there are more stories than ever before out right now, you know, um, before you know just speaking comics alone just even like 30 decades or 30 decades three decades ago four decades you had two comic publishers really um you know and 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 now there's you know instead of like 50 books a month we're getting 200 300 400 different options of comic books a month um and so there is a bit of like 
overwhelmingness there for for a consumer where you know we don't know where to look we don't know where to start we don't know what to do and I think that's where you know as consumers we really need to rely on you know our our retailers quite frankly to um do their homework and make sure that they can cater to their consumers um and and you know being able to recommend books to their readers and and because they're they're the gatekeepers in a sense publisher we're making all the content but you know the retailers are the ones who who are the ones who put it on the shelves and get it and get it to the readers and um I think that those relationships are very, very important. Um, same as, you know, your movie theaters, like the movies that they choose to put in their, um, in their houses are very important because if they're only putting in Batman and Spider-Man, then of course, those are the only movies that people are going to go watch. They're not going to see the little art house film because it's not available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of nuance and getting your content, um, which is why I think the internet is great and streaming is great and comiXology is great because then you that there's less of a gatekeeper for all of us. And that the gatekeeping is the key. And I think that that's something that we've almost missed now because the internet is a part of our lives and has been a part of it for so long that we don't know what it was like the moment you first said, I can record something and get it to the entire world within five minutes. I can, I can draw a comic and anybody can get it with a push of a button. It, that power was so amazing when we first had it. And we've kind of stopped trying to use it in different ways, or at least we've, it, it hasn't been a big conversation for a bit. Yeah. I think, you know, I look again, there's so much nuance to all of this. Mm-hmm. And... I oversimplified, I admit. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, how can you not? Right. Like, this mm-hmm. is such a big topic. But like, we it's it's everyone consumes things, things differently and everything. Everyone's interested into things differently. And like, in a way, there is still gatekeeping algorithms. Internet algorithms are your gatekeeper. Who's paying to make sure their content is seen first? Mm-hmm. Who's who's shoving ads in your face constantly? You know, all of this is still is still there. They're still manipulating us to to read what they want, buy what they want. Um, and so, again, as consumers, you know, um, it is still, you know, we still have to do work to parse through. Is this actually good? Am I actually interested in this or am I just being sold the headline or the ad or whatever that keeps getting shoved in front of my face? Yeah. And I, I just think that there's a way to people out there have to realize that they're not limited to just what they're getting from their basic streaming services and that's why i encourage people create if you don't see the story you like make it on your own yeah yeah no and that's that's you know it it is we're so capable of creating whatever we want there's so many tools available to us now and also i say like obviously when the world is not in a pandemic but you know, go to, uh, like, I always, always promote people going to conventions and like meeting creators and seeing different people there because what a great opportunity to get all sorts of stories and content and art that you would not get elsewhere in any other way. 
um, you know, and even just being able to talk and speak to creators that might like help you understand and see their work in a new light that you never have before. Um, which is again, really cool. And comics, comics is very special in that because what other industry can you do something like that? I could talk to you and I want to talk to you for a good long time about just the convention experience. Cause that is truly where I think the rubber meets the road for people like us. But I know that we both have stuff going on and I don't want to take the rest of your day. So where can my listeners find all your adventures and get your great advice on the internet? Yeah. So the best place to find me is at Twitter. You can find me at, at Heather Antos. It's just my name, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-A-N-T-O-S. And at my Twitter, it has links to my Instagram, my art um, Instagram and my website and all sorts of things like that. But Twitter is really the best place to find me. Gotcha. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you back at any time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. I would like to thank Heather for being my guest today. And I would like to thank you for listening. Heather is a fine example of a comic creator who can work well in many aspects of the art. And I'm finding more and more people like this as we go on. They remind me a lot of the classic comic creators who could write and draw and market and just come up with these amazing ideas out of nowhere. If you know somebody like this, or if you happen to be somebody like this, please reach out to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com or reach out to me at my Twitter handle at Aaron Bossig. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. We'll see you next time.